Hello, welcome to the Waste of Time podcast. I'm here with Chris. How's it going, Nick? It's going okay. It's going okay. Creeping close to the weekend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's what's new? Anything new? Uh, not really. Uh, let's let's just be transparent with our listeners. So we've we've just recorded our new interview for the next episode, and. We we said, oh, we need to do the intro for for Yotam from Useless ID, who is today's guest. Um, but like, we just finished the interview, and and I was like to Nick, oh yeah, we've got to record this intro. So we're we're even less prepared than we normally are, which is saying something. Yes, it's good. We, we should really be getting episodes out before we record new ones. I guess is, is yeah, the, I know, which is we normally do. We normally do. So apologies, listeners. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head what what we could talk about. Talk about there was a new Angels and Airwaves record the other day. Did you listen to any of that? No, no. Nick hasn't listened, so we can't discuss that. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I. I don't think I, I don't think I would listen to that anyway. To be fair, I, there, there's a lot of love for them in our scene still, and I don't really get it. Like I don't think they're terrible or anything, but I find it all a bit pretentious and. I'll I'll revisit. I'll revisit. Oh, so go and listen to a song on the album called "What's It Called?" Automatic or something, which is just Tom DeLonge trying to sound like the. Which he's openly saying that song's trying to sound like the Cure, which you can massively hear. So the song starts and it sounds really cool, but it's Tom DeLonge singing. You know, it just makes you wish you were listening to Robert Smith singing. Right. Anyway, that's that's my that's my listening. (laughs) Worth listening for that reason, I guess. But. um, Uh, no, yeah. I mean, I guess let's just get to the episode, eh? Um, let's just get into the episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, useless ID, banned from Israel, um, had a lot of success. Well, a lot of success across the world, you know. They have you know. long, long career. They've had what they call like ninety four or something, twenty seven yeah. years, I think. Yeah, um, I've been a fan of them over the years, um, and we spoke to Yotam, yeah, um, lead singer, um, yeah. So here it is. But yeah, no, thank, thanks so much for doing this. Um, where, so, where are you right now? Are you are you back in Israel again, or like, or are you over in the states? What, what's, what's? Yeah, I'm I'm in Israel at the moment again. I'm I've been just bopping around flights. It it's weird. Like uh, I've I've been on flights like four months after COVID started, and I haven't stopped. I'm just flying all over the place because my fiance lives in Italy, and uh, right. I have all the you know music stuff in in LA, <laughs> yeah, and and sometimes uh, I couldn't like most of the time I couldn't fly to Italy and she couldn't fly here, so we'd either go to Greece or the UK and yeah. So so when so when you say music stuff in LA, I mean give us a bit of a, a slicer kind of what what life what that life looks like for you at the moment. Uh, the life in LA. Well, um, it was exactly actually two years ago. That um, we tried to start something with Fat Mike together. We we started this like production company, and we were just working so much. So it, well, that fell through. And uh, since then, I've just met so many people, and I realized that my energy is very vibrant when I'm in LA. Like things are happening. Like I wake up and like I'm just, you know, stuff is happening. I meet new people and. I, you know yeah. other musicians and let's do this let's do that let's write a song for this so i feel like i'm i'm so alive over there that's that's what i mean by the music thing it's like it, things are happening it's it's i think it's a it's like one of these places where you can find a guitar in the trash and it, and it'll make sense unlike israel <laughs> where, and no no yeah <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you normally stay when you're out in la uh friends well i oh, yeah. at the time i was living uh with fat mike he bought this compound Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And it, he had uh, like several artists living with him. It was insane. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, you could well, all... Fat Mike was living there as well at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. <laughs> we... What's it like to live with Fat Mike? <laughs> oh, it's interesting. It's the, if I could sum it up, uh, in a nutshell, as they say, it's nonstop action, you know, from the moment you get up because he normally wakes up pretty early. But then he yeah. goes to, like at the time, he used to go to sleep super late. So like there's people coming over all the time. And I, I'm not, I'm less of that type of person. I need my personal right. space and quiet. And he's the opposite. He loves when people show up like, you know, unannounced. And there's just, I mean, it's great. 
Uh, so that that's how it was. <laughs> so every time I wanted to clock out, I would just uh, I had this bunk bed in the hallway. So I would just crawl into my bunk bed, and no one would even <laughs> notice. <laughs> what, what what other artists were were living there at the time? You mentioned him and and, and some other artists. Uh, there was this guy from France, Baz. He's uh, okay. he's been working closely with Mike. They did they did the orchestra of the decline. So he was living there, right? And. Uh, I think uh, other artists, as far as not only music, you know, like um, S and M type of sure, people sure. that really really do that for a living. So <laughs> I, <laughs> right, like this, yeah, yeah. It was like a living in in a circus, wow. in in a sense. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess I mean what we usually do with these things is kind of a bit of a, a walk through in in a chronological order. But um, I mean, maybe it's a good opportunity to kind of j- jump forward a little bit and kind of talk about. Your, I mean, how you got involved with fat, you know, um, fat records and started your Usus ID relationship with them. I mean, where, uh, how, I mean, how did that come about later on? Well, from from the beginning of Useless ID, when Useless ID were already a band for like a, a couple of years, um, I just moved uh, to Israel with my family, and I didn't know anyone, and I was like this, you know, this outcast, and. Uh, when I when I discovered punk rock and hardcore, that's when I started to look around if if anyone else knows in Israel about this little secret. Because yeah. not many kids were listening to that stuff and at the time. How, how did I mean? How did you discover it then? I mean, given that the internet probably wasn't really yeah. a, a way to no, discover music. No yet. internet. We're talking many many years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I I already knew of. Uh, of bands leading up to that style of music because I, I used to stay up and watch 120 minutes at Hangbaggers Ball and Alternative Nation, yeah. all these shows, MTV. And I always used to see like these colorful different acts like, you know, well, Nirvana was my introduction to to like what, what I felt was, uh, wow, this is what I want to do. But the more I searched for bands that sounded like them, I discovered, you know, Dinosaur Jr., Babes in Toyland, Sonic Youth. And, and I loved those things. But uh it it took it took like a year of uh being you know in school in israel until i was kicked out of that school and and then i had to sign up for an art school i signed up for an art school and that and in that school on the first day of class uh all the kids sat around like in a circle and the teacher asked to introduce yourself and say uh, which music you like so one kid said that he listens to rap and hardcore and then yeah. we were we were talking a bit in, in recess, and then it, he he told me about all these uh, bands. He, he was just like, "You don't know Bad Religion. You don't know this. You don't know that." And so it was like, "Holy shit! What is he talking about?" And then uh, when I heard it, I was like, I-, "I wonder if there's any bands in Israel like that." And that's how I eventually discovered uh, Useless ID. And it was kind of uh, it was kind of by mistake because I was so excited about this uh, new style of music I had discovered, which had been around uh, for a while. And uh, I, I really, like, my favorite band out of all of these, like, at the time was was uh, Gorilla Biscuits. So I said, yeah. I'm going to form a band. I'm going to form a band that sounds like Gorilla Biscuits. So I did that. So, you know, it's it's like, it's, it's such a weird thing for a 15-year-old in the mid-90s to... To, yeah. to do in Israel, like I, I don't know how that that was like my my thing. So, we I think by the second or third rehearsal, Useless ID had a rehearsal after us. So we just stuck around and uh, we listened to them uh, play some songs, and we were like, "Holy shit, these guys are great!" Because they were older than us, like the yeah. Useless ID at the time. Because only yeah, the, yeah. Uh, guy guy's the only original member that stayed from that sure. lineup. Sure. Yeah. So. Suddenly, there was like you know this little this super tiny uh, com- punk rock community in Haifa, like that started. <laughs> Got it. Nice. So, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, man. Like how long useless idea of being a thing. Like I forget sometimes because like you know, like for me personally, I think I first knew about useless idea with the Atari split. I think it was like two thousand yeah. or whatever, which is a long time ago as it is. But I was talking to my friend yesterday, who's I think he's you know. He's, I guess he's like early forties. He's like three or four years older than me, and he's just like, "Oh, useless ID, yeah." I because he loves his fast technical music, and he's like, mm-hmm. "They've never been the same for me since since they changed singers and stuff." But so he was like of the the first generation, 
But um, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll I'll mention the fact that he was he was he was a fan of the the old singer when when I've got Yotem on the show tomorrow. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. Many but, people many people are like that. It just like kind of happened naturally. If if you want to jump into that, like how I became the singer, but we could get to that later. Yeah, I mean, go yeah, yeah. go for it. Well, that was already after I I did a few after I joined Useless ID and after I did a couple tours with them. And uh, I always had side bands, like since that first, my first band, it was called yeah. Rampage. Since that band, like that broke up. So I formed another one that broke up. I formed another one. So I, I always formed the, these bands where, where I was the singer and the guitar player. And uh, once I was in Useless ID, so I still had other bands. So I didn't really feel the need to express myself in that band. I was like, I'm fine with just being the bass player. But then something happened and, uh, you know, we, we got back from a tour I was broke as a dog. Like, you know, I didn't have anything. So I, I just got a job working as a mailman. And when I was, you know, handing out uh, letters and uh, mail, <laughs> I started, uh, I just started singing to myself. I just, it just happened naturally. I just started humming all these like melodies that I would get home, write words to them and record demos. And then by the time I had like, uh, um, I, I let the guys hear them in the beginning. They were like, oh, these are cool. These are cool. But then I had like 20 after a month. And they, were, they, and they were like, you want to try singing them? Because right. they were very personal. They were like about me, you know, having the hots for this uh, girl that I can't be with. And then, you know, it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it evolved into like a few other things. You know, I, I was like, holy shit, I could write about my childhood. I could write about this. I could write right, about that. Right. So so we, we shared the, the singing duties for that first tour um, w- with those songs like in Japan. But... As as time went on, I just became became the singer because I was just writing the most songs. I guess that's what it boiled down to. Got it. That's so it. I mean, I mean, I mean, what was the? I mean, you talk about Japan there, and you know, kind of getting out on tour early doors. I mean, what was what was the like Israeli scene like back then? And that, or did you? I mean, did you consciously kind of go after you know, kind of tours outside Israel? And I mean, what? what I mean, how how did that develop? In Israel, outside of Israel, I guess, really. Well, from the beginning, the main idea with Useless ID was to leave Israel. That's why I was, even as a kid, I was like, I got I to gotta get in with these guys because I, I don't want to just be right. here, go to the army for three years and have yeah. a regular life. Like, I, I, of course, I had my dreams and I still do. But I, when when a guy took me home one day after the rehearsal because I didn't have a driver's license yet, and he told me, yeah, our plan is to, you know, I'm finishing with the army services and we're going to go to the U.S. and we're going to live there and, and we want to be one of those bands and we're going to, and we want to be on fat records. So I was like, oh, this guy has ambitions. I also do. I, I So maybe we could be a team, you know? <laughs> so uh, what was the question again? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I kind of went off on my yeah, own Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, obviously those ambitions. How much effort did you put into kind of, the Israeli so, scene, or did it exist at all, or was it straight? No, yeah, out, yeah. Uh, we, 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 we. Well, when Useless ID were away for the first time in the in the U.S., I was still in school. I was in twelfth grade. So me and a bunch of buddies, we formed like this, uh, uh, this uh, hardcore uh, commune community called Haifa City Hardcore, and we would yeah. just put on shows like uh, as much as we we could, you know. But it's kind of weird putting. It's not like. Uh, you you could you could do something like CBGBs in Israel and it's like every weekend and like you know Sunday matinee or something like Haifa is a small place like if if the if you put on two shows in like two weeks so then by the third week I don't know people would show up but we were doing Haifa and we were doing Tel Aviv and we sometimes Jerusalem and then we got this thing going and the Tel Aviv hardcore scene had their thing so they would invite us we would invite them and. Uh, and the whole thing, the whole animal rights thing uh, started happening for me. So I would just mm-hmm. see these people at these uh, animal rights uh, protests. And and yeah, so I, I think we, we started a scene at around the time Useless ID uh, left. And by the time they came back, uh, this scene kind of faded. Because it's, it's hard to hold on to something in Israel because... Uh, Especially around those ages, because uh, when, when you're like 17 or 18, you're you're getting ready to go to the army. Well, most of the people are, right. and the the weird ones uh, like me and some other members in Useless ID and some of my friends were like, you, you know, we we keep doing this. So 
So things things change all the time. People change all the time. Sometimes people leave for a few years and they come back, and I'm like, hey, I'm still here. I'm still punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, I think uh, the the scene was changing a lot. That's that's what it was. Okay. I actually wrote about it. I'm 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 pretty much wrapping up this book I've been writing for the past few years. We could get oh, to nice. that later. But yeah. yeah, I really I really got very informative about this uh, this time. You know, I wrote a lot about it because I feel like it's. Uh, it's like you know these, uh, like uh, the Husker Du song. These important years. It's like uh, it's those years that kind of like define what you do. Like you know, and then I became a touring musician, and that's what <laughs> we did. And then yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, no one wants to hear like every day on tour what happens. So those are the stories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. And so what were those those first experiences in the U.S. like? Like those, those sort of how easy was it to get those early tours and stuff? Was well, I thought it was easy. Like we we were under the impression because uh, useless ID when when they were there, they met all these like random people that say, "Hey guys, you should come back and I'll book you a tour." Guys, you should come back. I'll book you a show. I'll make you a show. I'll make you a tour. So I was under the impression that you know I was I was eighteen. So I was like, "Holy shit, we're gonna get there and we're rock stars." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and uh, the the thing was that. I, we all thought that we're gonna be on a like a tour with Good Riddance or something. We really sure. liked Good Riddance. We we were really into Fat Records bands, so we were under the impression that we were coming uh, to the U.S. and we have a full. I, I think the the idea was to be in the U.S. three months. I think now now we would never do that. I wouldn't do that anymore. I did some right. you know many years of solo tours, and uh, I I just can't do it because of uh, several reasons. <laughs> right, but. Uh, but yeah, we we were we were going to the U.S. for three months, and we're like, we're gonna do a tour with Goodwins. We're gonna do this, and then when we got there, we realized that the guy that was supposed to book the tour, he didn't book anything. He booked like one show, and he just made like a giant list of of what the tour should be. And we're like, are you serious, man? Oh wow! wow. We came all the way from Israel. Are you crazy? So we kind of had had a month, uh, and and we were at his house. So uh, Ishai. Um, he, the on, the guitar player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So Ishai, uh, he was making phone calls and uh, looking at these maximum rock and roll magazines and book your own fucking life and just calling people and just working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like from uh, he would get up in the morning and do that for, for I don't know for like the whole day. Yeah, and and at the end we did a tour and the tour was fun. But, <laughs> but was it with it was, was it with anyone good? That first one, um, it was just kind of. We played a show yourselves. with Fang. You know Fang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think I think the singer was in jail for for a while. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> for for some some uh, personal things. Uh, yeah, I'm. I I can't I can't remember any any other band that that stands out from that tour. Right. But the tour after that, we played with a bunch of bands that eventually became like super huge, or you know. We, Newfound Glory opened for for us on the second tour. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah they yeah. opened so for stuff, you. Yeah, yeah, for st- stuff like that. Like they they were labeled second on a bill of four, and we were third. And then I think it was, uh, well, Ishai remembers this stuff, but I think it was the Hippos. I think it was Humble Beginnings. Oh yeah, yeah, New yeah. Jersey, yeah. Uh, Newfound Glory. I think that was the bill. That's a good lineup. Yeah. So was this yeah. before or after that kind of? Um, Kind of Chris Rowe caught wind of you and, you know, kung, opened the Kung Fu doors, that, I that, guess, really. That was during because uh, we we really liked the Ataris when it came out because, you know, uh, we we were just on the lookout for anything coming out of like, you know, Fat Records, Kung Fu Records, Revelation, um, Lookout at the time. So a- anything that's coming out, so we're, we're there. So we really liked the, the Ataris first record and uh, we had a show with them. <clears throat> we got we managed to get on a show with them at the Kokadri. And uh, when we got there the Ataris uh, just finished their set and we didn't know them and we didn't know uh, uh you know who they were or anything. We see these guys loading out some gear. So I'm like uh I, I run out of the van. I'm like, "Hey guys, we really want to see the Ataris. Do you know if they played yet?" So uh, Chris Rowe, uh, he was the one that I asked. So he's like, Oh, oh, we are the Ataris. And yeah, we just played Who Are You? And I'm like, I'm Yotam from Useless ID. Nice to meet you. We're, we're playing a show here. And then we just uh, swapped music. 
they gave us CDs. I think we gave them either a CD or a cassette tape. I have yeah. it written. Like I, I remembered it when I had to write about it, but now right. I don't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but we gave them our our uh, soon to be album that that we just pressed. It was like that's not punk, and uh, I think a while after that he got in touch with uh, Ishai via email, and uh, yeah, email was just starting up at the time, or sure. uh, maybe he sent him a letter. I don't know. I think it was in <laughs> that that he wants to do a like a split with us, and and that was great. That was a good. And you know, I'm actually friends with Chris Rose until this day. Like, uh, oh wow, that's nice. Yeah, I. I just record. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. I'll I'll tell you later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so was that essentially? Obviously, he invited you to do that, and was that essentially the the door, the route in to you signing with Kung Fu? Did that did that like come straight after? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the the split sold very well. I wasn't yet the singer. I had one song on that split. All right. And, yeah. yeah. And 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 it's funny because uh, right after that came the talk of okay um, let's make let's make a full length album with you society but wait they changed singer so <laughs> Joe was yeah. Joe Joe Escalane from the Vandals he wasn't too happy with that he's like what and Chris Rowe Joe wait trust me on this trust me on this I got this so so we brought Chris Rowe in to produce as well sure so, sure yeah so he kind of like really helped us uh, kind of get our shit together for that because we were also in a way changing nah, i wouldn't say changing style but you know i was writing different than what they were writing before i started writing yeah i mean that like, that album definitely sounds very different from yeah they were writing that. like melodic hardcore and i was exactly yeah. and i was writing you know pop punk or like melodic yeah. Yeah. pop punk with with some melodic uh, hardcore but it's it was all very like emotional and from the heart teenage angst type of uh yeah. issues <laughs> yeah yeah, I remember, I think, I was thinking about this the other day, obviously, in the lead up to this, and I was living in Brighton on the south coast in the UK at the time, and I went to a show of yours, and I thought it was with the Vandals, but then I suddenly remembered, I think it was with, Fre I think you were out on tour with Friends or Rom, and, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, obviously, I knew you guys from, from the, the Atari split and stuff. And, and, and Slow Gherkin? Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. It was yeah. Slow Gherkin as well, yeah, that's, fine, that's, I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. So this was late two thousand and one, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I remember like you 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 jamming that song um uh No Time for Me to Be a Teenager, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. your single off the record, which at the time I was like, Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can relate to this. This is great. Yeah. Now now when people ask me to play it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ask a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the feeling you might, might feel it. Yeah. So so I mean he talks about you know, actively targeting the US, and I mean, what were what were your what were your first experiences in terms of like the UK and kind of some of Western Europe? Uh, first of all, like in the UK, if if you if you're on a if you're on a tour with friends or rum, or if you're on, if you're on if you're on a bus tour, then I feel you're covered. But unlike uh, you know certain parts of Europe where i felt that in the uk it was always hard to find a place to sleep like there's never a place to sleep oh, really? and, there's, and there's no food in the backstage not that i'm here to diss you guys but that's that's just it's like you know this like this sort of vibe that every time we would come to the uk we'd be like all right this has to be like you know it was either with like lag wagon or ataris or or <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean it, yeah so but the shows were great. You know, we'd we'd make it to all these like weird spots, and suddenly a bunch of people would show up, and I'm like, "How do they even know about this show? And like, how do they even know about us?" But I I, I like the UK. It's it's very cold, you know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's cold. Yeah. No, I but, remember. Uh, I mean, my first experiences seeing you guys was. I don't know if you remember a venue called Trillions in in Newcastle, like a oh yeah, a dingy dingy underground. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Trillions venue. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I think it was just after you released Redemption album. Um, oh, so maybe that was with Noise for a Name. Uh, no, 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 you no. were headlining, hey. man. You, yeah. No, you no, no, no. So, so it was with this band Straight Away, maybe. Maybe. Like from, yeah. 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 Maybe. But no, I mean that. I I mean I hadn't hadn't had much experience with you guys until that until that point and yeah the energy from you guys was was awesome and um, 
yeah. Oh, cool. Thank that you. Rede- that redemption record kind of stuck with me for like, well, till till this day, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I, I like, well, I, I'm not objective to my own creations, but. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but but uh, redemption to me is like, you know, the kind of like the time and place and all that, like where everything uh, defined our sound escaped it for a bit afterwards and became a bit darker but you know that's just like evolution you know you don't want to put out the same records all the time so you just go with what you're feeling but i sure. I, I agree with you i really like redemption i think it's a very consistent from the beginning to the end well i mean would you say that that was the period as a band where you were you'd kind of built that momentum and had the biggest kind of following and were doing the kind of bigger bigger shows so was i mean was that yeah, around that period you, you could always say uh like all sorts of things like what if and what if we would all move again to the U.S. and what if and what if. But it, it is one of these things where I felt like, you know, we looked good. <laughs> Not that we look bad now, <laughs> but it was like we were at the right age and it was right before all that Fallout Boy and My Chemical Romance stuff exploded. So it was like yeah. this little, there was like this little break in like pop punk, like what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? So and you know we well most of us we just you, stayed as a an israeli band touring when uh, when we had a, tours and the tours were great and that was a very fun time in my life i remember it yeah what what were some of the best tours around that time oh no use for a name we did uh we did a europe with them on a bus and wow so much funny shit went down on that tour that some of the stuff i can't even talk about but i remember a lot of right. it but it was a lot of fun. I mean, being on a bus with, with no use, and they just released their album. Um, what's that album called? Uh, help me out here. The red one. The one uh, after Hard Rock Bottom. Keep Them Confused. Yes, yes. Keep Them Confused. No. Yeah. Is it Keep Them Confused? No. That's, that's yes, 05. Keep, yes, Keep Them Confused. That one. That one. So, so yeah. That, that, was a, that was a great tour. You went. You went on to work with with Tony Sly. Off, I, I assume off the back of that tour and that relationship that you kind of developed. No, no the before? the relationship with Tony Sly actually happened in two thousand two at the Warp tour, when right. we were looking for a pro- producer to produce uh, our follow up to Bad Story, Happy Ending, yeah. um, No Vacation from the World. So we we actually wanted to record it with Ryan Green because we we were like we have to make an album with Ryan Green, you know, with the Fat Record sound. And sure. he was too bit. He was too busy. So uh, we, you know, we we found uh, we we decided to go back to the, the previous studio we did. But we were like, uh, we need a, a producer again. So we we spoke about it. We spoke with a few people at the Warp Tour. We spoke with Mike Herrera from MXPX. We and then the whole idea of uh, well, if we talked to Tony Sly, I think he produced something um, back then, like like one record mm-hmm. or something for someone. And when we approached him, he was just super cool. You know, he was like, uh, yeah, I know you guys. Yeah, Joe, let me hear you. I, I like you. And, he, and then he just started inviting me to the no use bus like every other day. And, yeah. you know, we, I would just learn from him. You kind of like my mentor. So so, so the, tour, the tour almost come from that relationship that you struck up with Tony or was, was he? Yeah, the- he really helped us uh, throughout the summer. He really helped, helped me kind of like... Uh, uh, arrange my songs and arrange my ideas and he would hit, give his input and then when it was time to record at the studio he called up the first day and he's like sorry guys i can't make it <laughs> so, oh really yeah 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 i'm not coming but we were cool with it uh, and uh, we decided to produce it ourselves with angus and it angus came out Kirk, great yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but oh, after man, so that did, we- sorry i was did, did did you kind of maintain your friendship with with, yes, with exactly. Tony up, up until obviously of, he, he course, sadly left us after that when no vacation came out no use invited us to do uh yeah a bunch of dates with them in canada and it was like some u.s dates it was like a, a bit of the west coast a tiny bit of the east but a lot of like the top canada and uh all across canada and yeah so so there was that and then we we did that thing in the summer of 2005 and then we did a bunch of other stuff with them like you know as the years progressed and they they came yeah. to israel as well yeah oh, oh man yeah i'm sorry so it must have hit you hard when 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 he left us i guess yeah yeah i, I to be honest i i i was at a wedding that day 
And I was yeah. just like stupid drunk when I got back home. So, you know, it was like 1 a.m. I turned on the Facebook and, and I saw yeah. like one one post about it. So I thought yeah. it was a joke because Tony was like that. He had like this uh, very uh, dry sense of humor and like where he could just like, hey, I died. And people would laugh, you know? Right, so right. That's what I thought it was. So I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then, you know, the more I start, I stayed on Facebook. So I saw more posts. And then I asked, uh, I saw that guy was connected. So I asked him, hey, what, what, what's up with this Tony, Tony stuff? Like, is, is this real? And it's like, man, you don't know. I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm broken for the past hour. And yeah. I called him up and he told me, yeah, like the, that he passed away. And I, I just cried so much. And I, and I wrote a song for him afterwards, but I actually, yeah. I, it's kind of weird. Uh, while I was going through those emotions, I said, I, I think I want to grab a pen right now and just like write w whatever I'm feeling. That's a, that's a weird thing to do, you know, like mm -hmm. suddenly think of songwriting. But I think that, that was the best thing I could do at the moment sure, or else I sure. would just be even more sad with myself. But yeah, and, and then, you know, I released a song for his uh, memory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we always wonder, like, I, I could say collectively with Useless ID, because every time No Use for a Name put out a record, we would instantly be inspired. Even if some yeah. of the stuff re reminded of No Use for a Name, obviously our names are similar, Useless and No Use, but sure. uh, yeah. But we were always inspired to write. Like I would hear a song that Tony wrote, and I was like, "I, I want to write something as good as that," or like, "I want right. to get those melodies as well." And then you know, and then suddenly he's not here anymore, and I'm I'm just wondering, wow, it's it's been what what is it like ten years almost almost ten years nine years yes summer of 2012 wasn't it yeah so, yeah just so short of a decade. I, the way I know No Use for a Name, they would have like another three, four albums after the right. Feel Good Record of the Year. So yeah. that's so many new songs, and Tony would probably do some solo as well. Yeah, I was gonna say he did lots of great, great solo, solo material. I love his solo. I yeah. love, I love it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you talked about kind of jumping between tours and jumping home. I mean, what were you and kind of Ishai and Guy kind of doing, kind of like in between touring? I mean. I mean, what was work? Yeah. I mean, what <laughs> kind of work were you, were you guys doing? Diff were you in different, just uh, any kind yeah. of like, jobs or? Yeah, well, it, it depends which years, but um, I think I well I, I think we each took a certain time and didn't work. Like sometimes Ishai wasn't working, then sometimes I was, and and then I stopped, and suddenly he's you know working at a record store, and yeah. Um, for me, I in two thousand and late two thousand and five, I got a gig playing for this uh, really big Israeli artist, like uh, playing bass for, in his band, and I did that for nine years. And the the good thing that came out of that is that I kept doing my music. I didn't stop because oh, I see. Many, okay, many many I think many artists kind of fi find comfort in that because I call that's what I call now a golden trap because you know right. you see you see gold and you're like. I want this. I'm, I'm going to, that's going to fix my life. And, you know, it helped me get by for nine years. But once I woke, but once I woke up from that coma, I was like, I got to stop with this. You know, my life is happening and, uh, and I could still do a lot of great things if I, if I want to do them, I don't have to stay here. So, but we'll get <laughs> well, to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, well, well, I was, was, what was that cover at? Yeah. No, it's, uh, Danny Sanderson and he's a okay. guitar player in, uh, Kaverit, which I, Oh, that, okay. <laughs> that was that was my eye opener because I I got the gig for that as well playing acoustic guitar, and got it. Okay, it, it was two nights in uh, Park Ayarcon in Tel Aviv in front of fifty thousand people each night. That's probably the biggest, the biggest show I played. Big guy in my out life. there. Yeah. So I I remember I'm just like uh, we were just about to go on stage on the first night and I see this massive sea of people and I'm like holy shit this is amazing but it doesn't belong to me it belongs to someone else. So, yeah. so from that moment on, I started obsessing about the idea of of how can I move on with my life. Like, I mean, I, I think it's uh, I'm not I'm not like uh, trying to preach or something. I'm just saying, like for me, I had this feeling, you know, I do music, I live music, I breathe it. Like everything is is songwriting or production or like everything like comes down to this 
one thing at the end of the day. Of course, I love doing other things, but everything boils down to this. So if if I really matter in, to anyone, so they'll probably notice if I just do it full time, you know. And right. I just don't, and I and I, I don't look to the sides and do do other like what I call like dirty work, like do other work for people. Yeah, I, I I would rather be my own boss. Like if someone wants me to do something for him, I'll do it. But I I don't want to be like limited in this uh, in this because I I realized that the the months uh, started chasing each other. I was like, holy shit, it's the end of the month again. Because I'll get the paycheck, and I was like, the, yeah, money's fine. But what what did I do this month? And but the luck, the good thing is that is that I always kept writing, and you know we got. Um, useless id records out of that time and i got a lot of other you know solo stuff and other projects sure. i did so it, it it wasn't like i was like sleeping the whole time how did you kind of regroup as a band then obviously over the years i mean what tw 20 20 odd years i guess really used to say if not more 26 yeah <laughs> fucking hell yeah. right uh, <laughs> you know how did you as a band kind of agreed when the right time was to you know, with all the other things you were doing to either go on a tour or to put a record together and obviously not release well, as much in the last few years, but is it, I, do you have like a common like understanding like between you? Or? Yeah, yeah. I think we have this unspoken rule in the band pretty much since the day uh, I joined. Like if, if there's a tour worth doing, we do it. Like, you know, no questions about it. And and that's how we always worked when there's a tour or like when uh, we want to go on tour, so we make time. But being in in that uh, the, that Israeli band that I was working in, that made it kind of hard sometimes to go on tour because they would need me present for these like you know like this TV filming or like this big yeah. show or something. And they didn't want to bring a replacement. And. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's uh, you know as as life moves, everyone's um, interests or everyone's whatever you want to do with your life kind of changes. Like um, I don't know. I I I I told the guys that I'm back in 2015. I told them, listen, uh, I just got stamped for a half a year to to be in the U.S. So I'm gonna stay. And, right. and I didn't tell them, let's break up the band. It wasn't like a dramatic. Yeah. I was like, I have to do this for me because, you know, we did the band for so long. And I, I think uh, at the end, they understood that. And and each one in his own uh, time also did. I mean, Isha is doing some wonderful, great, like Israeli rock music now. And like he has his band and he's like on this thing now. And he's focused on that. And I'm happy for him. Good. I'm happy that he, he's doing his thing. And guy is living in costa rica so oh nice yeah and and i don't really live in israel i'm just kind of like uh, floating between places so as you said yeah, yeah yeah so the the reason we didn't put an album out for what is it like five six years is just because um it it just didn't happen it wasn't like uh we yeah. didn't want to i think uh if that's what i feel about i started writing the new album let's put it like that i started writing the new album and and I felt like uh, as if I, I'm pressured to to finish it, and I and I don't want to be pressured to finish it. And we and there's some great songs written. Is that but... st the state is burning? No, the I next one, the one oh, I'm working okay. on now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, he said yeah. The... State oh, is okay. burning. State state is burning. I I just like put this uh, uh, target for myself before I wrote anything. I said I'm gonna write 40 songs. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it, but but that that wasn't all of State Is Burning. Some of that became my one of my solo albums, and then I disappeared for a half a year. And when I come came back, I just started writing a bunch more songs. So it was like half and half. It was like half was done with that batch of forty, and half was done afterwards. But I felt like we had a record, and now I feel like we have like a half of a record because I okay. I want to be super hard on myself. I and and it's important that the guys would be like each one. Uh, individually super stoked on the song that they're going to play because if not then what's the point that's like the idea of a band you want everyone to be into it so so when you present it to the crowd or when you're recording it everyone's like you know on fire nice cool so i mean just that i i mean obviously we start this conversation with with the kind of mike and fat wreck thing um yeah obviously your your kung fu 
I guess Redemption was the last thing he released on Kung Fu. I guess track forward a few years, Fat Wreck, you released a couple of records with. I mean, how did that come about? And are you, do you still, obviously I assume with you staying, staying with Mike that the new, the new record when it does come around will be released on Fat, Fat yeah, Wreck? Yeah, yeah, of course. We, we love Fat Records. I mean, <laughs> it, it was just at a time where, uh, me and Mike just started working together. So we were like working on songs together and, and that guy's great. Like he, he's, he has a bunch of ideas and you can take away um, his, his greatness. It's, it's true. Like, you know, he, after all, he is fat Mike and he did pave the way for us in a way with, with no sure. effects and with his label. So I have only to thank him. I don't have anything bad to say. It's just like, sometimes you realize that certain things don't, uh, don't work out as you want them. So life goes on, but everything's okay. We're, we're fine with each other. So the thing, the thing with Fat Records is from day one, from the first demo, so the guys gave, uh, when they were on tour for the first time, they, they were living in the States, actually. They weren't on tour, but they, they did some local shows in the Bay Area. So they gave, they gave Mike the demo, and then we gave Mike the CD, and then we gave him another CD, <laughs> and that's how it <laughs> kept going. But but with the first record with Kung Fu, we we let him hear the demos, and he really liked it. But he felt bad about like you know kind of like clashing with Joe because we already said yes to Joe. So yeah. so he said, you know what? Let's keep this cool. Just go go with Joe. So we're like, all right, we'll, we're going with okay. Joe. So we did the three records with Joe. Then we did uh, Lost Broken Bones once again. Send send it to Mike. Mike likes it. But the office is not sure, so right. so we we found a bunch of other labels to release that, and then here we are in uh, 2011. We just finished Symptoms, and we have uh, uh, Brandon from Teenage Bottle Rocket on, on one side, and Bill oh, Stevenson nice. on the on the other side, just mm-hmm. you know bashing into Fat Mike's brain. Useless idea. Come on, <laughs> do it. <laughs> Yeah, so we're very thankful for those guys. And speaking of Brandon, very sad that uh, he passed away as well. Yeah, but, yeah, but that yeah. Guy, that that, that guy was special. He was a really fun guy and always smiling. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they 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 helped us. And then Mike's Mike was he. It was so funny. He's because he was like, I was like, this is the record that Fat Records putting out, our slowest rock record. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know this, there's. The punk attitude is there on symptoms, but it's it's. Yeah. I was writing my solo stuff at the time, so I think that's, in a way, that's like the the other side of my like solo thing, just louder in a way. So, mm-hmm. but but then when we we were mixing status burning, we we had a feeling that fat would be into it, but while we were mixing it, uh, we thought to wait, you know, until we had the master, and, and I I secretly sent it to Mike anyways. I'm like. Hey, here are the mixes. What do you think? And he he replied like after ten minutes, he goes, "I love it. I fucking love it. I'd be honored to put it out." So I'm like, mm, yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he told me, uh, "Status Burning should have been your first record." And you know, <laughs> move, move from there because he he always wanted us to get into politics because Israel is such a fucking sure. battlefield and it's so crazy here. <laughs> It's never ending. And, you know, and we're singing about our personal stuff and I'm singing about living with a girlfriend and, you know, not yeah. getting along, which is not bad. I love songs like that. I I, I, I love all music. I love a lot of music. I, I don't only like political, but uh, I felt like it was just getting too crazy and in your face at the time that we kind of had to dip in, into po- politics as well. Nice. Well, um, you released you released your kind of... Greatest hits? I don't know. It's called most useless songs. You call, yeah. you call it your greatest hits, I guess. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. I mean, how, how? I mean, how did you all sit down and decide that? And you released you released a new track as well, though, didn't you? Um, same old revolution. I mean, it's it's yeah, like yeah. Two, two new songs. Two new yeah, and and into the exquisite. Yeah, yeah two new songs. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That they were actually meant for the next album, but I did I didn't have enough songs. I had like only like four or five songs that I thought were great, and I'm. And Mike wanted two ex- exclusive songs, like new new songs recorded. So I'm like, yeah, I could start from scratch for the next badge and, you know, let these two have their uh, way with this album. And I'm happy I did. I, I, I think they're great for that. Like, they really sum yeah. up uh, Useless ID's vibe because they're both very different. One of them is very political 
and you know kind of like anthemic in a way yeah which, which i realized listening back to most useless songs that we're, we're not a fast melodic hardcore band we we always thought we were but we wrote a lot of slow songs like sure, slow songs sure. with like a kind of like a chanty chorus or maybe the chorus doesn't have to be chanty but we, you know it was like kind of like mid-tempo in a way but then there's like a fast song that's very fat record style and right. so i think it came out you know proper yeah i mean i love yeah. same old revolution and thank on you the on the video as well with uh yeah. we, we had um steve from belvedere on a, a couple of months ago didn't we? well how long a few three four months ago uh yeah in may or something uh yeah this i spotted a few of uh, well not necessarily old guests but guests from the same bands that we've had yeah, 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 so yeah. like you so there's clearly a lot of old touring friends that appeared exactly in that video. So that's like, exactly yeah. what it is a lot of like, people we played with a lot of friends we kept in touch throughout the years we just wanted to make it like a big fun video where everyone's get coming together and singing about this yeah and, and i mean i guess i mean we've been obviously really fortunate over the last year or year or so you know it's been pretty shit circumstances for a lot of the world but we've been obviously very fortunate that a lot of people haven't been on tour and doing lots of things and we've really um you know been lucky to speak to a lot of people who are on a lot of downtime you know from um from the touring world so i mean how's that been for kind of for you guys and has it changed changed anything for you in terms of like the future use this idea i mean what's i mean what's the ambition now for for the band and has that changed at all in the last year and a half as you well, know, your, your ethos I, I, kind of I think the last time I saw Ishai was when we recorded "Same Old Revolution." <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not—I don't think I've seen him since. Uh, Wait, when, record, when, when was that? Sorry, when did you record that? Last year. I don't think I've seen Ishai for a year then, and I haven't seen Guy for a year and a half. And uh, Corey, I—I've seen uh, uh, pretty much because. Um, he we're we're working with each other i work with him on the ideas i have or like these demos i go try it out with him and then right. I, it's like a songwriting trick i i learned I, I try it out with him you know i'm in the moment of the rehearsal i record it on my phone and then when i'm driving i listen back like after rehearsal you know when it's dark at night and and then i realize if the song works i i've been doing that for years so so he's he's the one i we we've been working on that but uh as far as ambition yeah so we're in the middle of writing this record and uh i i i have i need to take little breaks all the time because i'm i'm like doing a bunch of other things like while i'm doing this and have to finish up some other things and suddenly you know as, as crazy as uh as life got this past year and a half we all found creative ways to get by so suddenly a band hits me up and they need my help for something so so, so i'm there for a while okay. yeah do you think but, do you think when you rap, when you kind of get to a point where you release this record you do a a, a tour run i mean what what, what what's oh, the what's the probability of okay that so as far, yeah as far as touring goes we were supposed to have a show in austria uh late october so that's not gonna happen mm-hmm. we're supposed to have a show in israel next month that's going to be interesting if it happens <laughs> and uh uh the summer this summer we have a bunch of shows with good riddance like the upcoming summer good riddance and descendants oh you see finally we have shows with good riddance that's nice yeah right <laughs> <laughs> after 20 something years we finally did it I, I, um, have you never played with them before no so. no we've played with them we're I, yeah i was I, gonna say you must have done this over the years now i thought that I slept at Chuck's house for a few nights and he showed me all okay. over Santa Cruz. It was amazing. So right. we're friends, of course, but, but yeah. it, it's just funny. Like it's uh, with that other yeah. story I just told you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Full circle. Yeah, yeah. Full circle. So with Descendants as well. So we're looking nice. forward for the summer. So the idea was to have the album, to prepare the album for the summer. But then I felt like we're just stressing ourselves over nothing and we're un, like unable to meet at the moment and really rehearse and get into it. So let's just take a little break and and I'll continue writing because that's what I do and and if anyone else wants to write they they can bring in you know anything goes and and when we have I'd say I don't know 20 songs that everyone thinks are great we can narrow it down to 14 and record them. <laughs> nice. Nice laid back um yeah plan. Yeah, um, I mean I thought about it. Why should we hurry? 
first of all, we're not in our 20s. Where, where are we going? I mean, we're, we're all in different parts of the world right now. I'm going to be in a different... I suppose as well, there's going to be like a lot of bands and artists that are just going to be rushing to get out there now as well. Like, oh, so it, it's happening uh, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, was there much much that impacted you guys in terms of when things kicked off from a pandemic situation? I mean, did you have anything booked that that got shelved, or did you have a bit of a blank slate with the band? Well, actually, before the pandemic, Guy's house burned down. We were supposed to do a tour once again with Good Riddance in the U.S. Oh, shit, right. <laughs> yeah. But his house burned down like a month before that. So, yeah, that, that's so crazy. So wow. so that got canceled. And I was in the U.S. anyways. So if the guys weren't going to fly, I wasn't going to see them. And then uh, we, had, we had a J- Japanese tour. We had like a, a few shows in Japan with Satanic Surfers. And that was like right in the be- like in the very beginning of COVID when people were just kind of talking about it, but it wasn't a yeah. thing yet. Yeah, yeah. It's like whoever wants to wear a mask on the flight could wear. Whoever doesn't, it's fine. And I sure. stayed in Thailand afterwards. And then I just saw these videos from Israel that whoever comes from anywhere needs to stay at home in quarantine for fourteen days. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it was so weird. Like I couldn't yeah. imagine. And now. Right now, I've done this quarantine thing. I'm, I'm a master at quarantine. I'm like, <laughs> I, I got to stay home for 14 days. Done. I'm going to kill it. I'm just going <laughs> to listen to records, write and write and write and go crazy with myself. But it's not, they shortened it to like seven days now. So it's, it's, it's okay. not that bad. And I think, I don't know, you don't have to, they're always changing the rules. So sometimes I didn't even have to do quarantine. I mean, how bad was Israel affected in the kind of in the worst Worst times during the last year was it was it pretty, pretty? Yeah, oh, in people were going crazy. They were outside, like protesting outside the prime minister's house every freaking day. It was it was nuts. Like protesting in the street just to get rid of him. Like uh, you know, with right. COVID, without COVID, they they were just like fuck this shit. And uh, now there's a new prime minister. I don't think if I don't know if it's any better, but there's less protest and. Um, did you have much in the way of fatalities, kind of like? Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, it was spreading because I didn't. Th- I don't think um, they took it so seriously in the beginning. So uh, people were just like, "Nah, nothing's happening." You know, everyone was like that. Like I, I, I didn't think something crazy. I, I thought the news was making up something in the beginning. In the beginning, yeah. And, uh, and now, you know, I, I had COVID. I had it in January. Yeah, I, I. I got out of it and I didn't feel anything while having it, but uh, but I I know it exists. You have to kind of learn to live uh, with with the knowledge that that exists, like other things in this world, and move on. We're getting there. We're definitely getting there. I think now. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. So I mean, I guess you 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 talked briefly about you writing a book. Um, Yeah. You want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I, I've been keeping these uh, tour journals pretty much since day one, since the first Useless ID tour, and some tours I haven't. So I wanted to piece my whole personal story, like, you know, not write. It's like from my point of view, like what, what I felt through all these situations. And uh, so so that was my idea, and it's already like five years in the making. I started writing it actually... I start. I tr- I thought I was writing it like ten years ago, but I wasn't. I okay. I, I just like edited most of the stories that I had into this, and my story kind of ends in uh, 2014 when I decided to stop everything and just uh, go to the U.S. because that's where a, di- a completely different story begins. Like my whole like nonstop traveling with myself alone. So I I, I wanted to, I want to save that for like a, a next book, but we'll see how Got this it. one does first. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean how far i mean how far along are you with that now and kind of when yeah, do so, you expect to have that so yeah so as i mentioned it's uh like four or five years almost that i'm working on it like on and off just because of uh the way life is but i have like three chapters left to write and then i'm gonna ha- hand in the manuscript and um have an editor kind of like uh, make make sense of this whole <laughs> thing i wrote <laughs> And uh, put it in the format of a book. So, hopefully soon. Yeah, I think I'm I'm slowly getting there. 
Yeah, definitely check that out and see how it compares to the to the NoFX uh, autobiography. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, NoFX NoFX did not come from Israel. We have a bunch of other stories. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. write. I don't write dirty. I don't. I, that's not. That's not what I, what I'm after. I'm I, I'm I'm trying to write in like the most honest way I can about things that I I I think. I think it makes for an interesting story. I mean, a place like Israel to suddenly form a punk band and and then Absolutely. you're in the states and then suddenly uh, Japan likes you. That these types of types of things don't really make sense. But <laughs> but I'm happy they did because uh, yeah, we've been to Japan so many times and it's so fun getting there. Like I I love Japan. Like uh, if you tell me I have Japan for the rest of my life. Just continue. You're good with it. Would you say they're your kind of craziest tours and shows, Japan? Yeah, it's it's just like this weird connection with the crowd. Like we we're we're all like, you know, we feel at home over there, just like we feel at home playing Tel Aviv. So we we get to Japan yeah. and we see all these faces that we've known for like fifteen twenty years. So some of them have kids already, so they bring their kids. And yeah, we reached that point, but who cares? They're like we're all having a blast, and we play the longest sets over there because it's it's just great. You, you, I just get lost in the moment. I just we're just you know on it when we're there. Yeah, I mean, you we we speak to a lot of a lot of people, don't you, Chris? And yeah, all of them are like just Japan is really up there in terms of, especially I think the the punk rock scene, especially in pop punk scene over there, is obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. They they really love their pop punk. <laughs> Even though, you know, I I wouldn't say that we're a pop punk band. We're we're just we're we're a punk band. No, you you we, you've we, da- you've dabbled in it. I would say, of but, course, yeah. of course. When we were yeah. when we I would say when we were searching for our sound, which is fine. Yeah, that happens in bands. You know, many bands yeah. start off yeah. ripping other bands but- or like trying to sound <laughs> like. But I think we fell into our own in redemption, and since then we've kind of like uh, fell into our own thing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, just a I think mix, that's fair. mix of a bunch of things, and it's done by people from Israel. So, <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned before um, your, your fiance being in Italy. Have you, yeah. um, as you know, how is, is has that been okay? And have, have you got like a, a, a like a date in sight of when you're able to get married, or do you, are you going to kind of wait and see till things settle back to normal a bit more? We we really wanted to get married on August 24, and that couldn't happen, and it was so sad because oh, we sorry just to hear that. yeah we we just couldn't invite all this family from all over all over the place, and uh, you know the band members. I I didn't want them risking just band members and friends from Israel. Risking being in Italy and then going home and staying uh, home for seven or fourteen days because of me, <laughs> so right. everything okay. everything just didn't make sense. Uh, but uh, you know, just like with everything, we're we're just, we're gonna let it be until we we yeah. can do that as well. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Lots of things to look forward to: marriage, exactly. book release, new album, yeah, yeah. UK tour. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, that stuff I said about the about the UK before—it doesn't mean that I, that's what I think. That that's what I thought when I was like, uh, you know, when suddenly we did a tour on our own, like when when we were there in our twenties and you know with friends around, it was a blast. We loved it, but you know, suddenly we we make it to the UK, like when yeah, you know how it is, first time by ourselves, and we're like, where are we going to sleep tonight? This is not like Europe, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that well, that's that's not. That's not a poster from that tour behind you, is it? Because I can see it says Frenzel Rum. Oh, yeah, yeah, Rum. yeah, the Frenzel Rum. Yeah, yeah. That is, that is because does that say Slow Gherkin? So that is actually from yeah, that tour. That, How funny. that is from that tour. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. yeah, but they only wrote European dates on this poster. Oh, so I'll not have the Brighton date that I was at. No, no. Ah, okay. Sorry. Well, <laughs> if, if you're ever stuck this time around, you you know, there's, there's a place to stay here. Um, if you ever want to come back to Newcastle and do a short trip. Of course, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ever since I, I, I know how to get around in the UK. I have met we have many friends there. I have many friends and I love I love coming to the UK. So yeah, definitely nice. uh hit you guys up. Um but yeah, we've taken an hour of your time. So um yeah, just wanna thank you massively for doing this. Uh this is of course. Blast, I, I, I hope that uh this was uh, up to your expectations of uh, Oh absolutely. 
Oh, it's great. What you wanted to hear from me. It's great. I'm really actually really looking forward to this book as well. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really looking. It's a first. It's a first for me. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how people. uh, I don't know. Accept it. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, let us know. We'll keep our kind of our ears open and give it. Of course. Of course. Give it a bit of a plug on on any of our future future episodes. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a great weekend, Jordan. Yeah. Have a good weekend too. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, we'd love it if you could subscribe to us uh, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or any, anywhere like that. Um, also, check us out on social media. If, if you just search for Wasting Time Podcast on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, give us a like or a follow on any of those. And also, we love hearing from listeners as well. So um, feel free anytime to drop us an email at the wasting time podcast at gmail.com or obviously you can message us on social media as well but um yeah we'll catch you next time for you to arrive.